Thank you, Patrick. Always dangerous giving you the mic. Um, so I think on Friday we met as Elvis and I, like really when we were sitting there and discussing, and I asked the guys not like, it's obviously, obviously it's Jonathan Conrad's coming, it's really a time of evangelism that you want to equip of people who want to actually draw the lost in. And that it's not, it's one, it is an event. So Saturday the 26th is an event. Like bring the unsaved in. But also for us, it's, it's an equipping time. It's a, it's a time to catch something, to receive something that is not for a moment, but for us to carry into the season of having art for the lost. And when I was speaking to the elders, I was like, yeah, whatever we're going to share on today is not going to be, if it's around, let's say it's around evangelism, it's, let it not be some preach we've got planned. Let us seek the Lord yesterday, day before, and say, Lord, what do you want? And uh, I had a few things, and I think Joey had a few things, and, um, yeah, and really hearing those testimonies, it's just a reminder of, what this walk is about, of what we call to. And uh, so I know Sage is on for the first, on AV, first, second time? Okay. First time. So Sage, I'm not going to, I know you got no scriptures, because I don't have any. So I'm just going to go with stuff I took down, um, or I put down, and but as the guys were sharing, as Timbi was sharing, and she was like, Yo, the people were inviting, and, and it felt like, are these angels? Isn't that an incredible thing to be said of somebody? I don't know who that was here in the congregation, if it was even someone in the congregation. But how incredible is that, that, that we are called to share the gospel? That we get to do this, that it is the power of God unto salvation. That there isn't a pressure on us of, I need to do something. I need to make it happen. I just need to be faithful, like Chief, shared, uh, uh, Chief said, with what's in front of me, with a little. Because it is God that saves. And, um, you know, those stories, it's like, it just reminds us, it reminds us about the one. And I'm not going to go there, but, just the heart of God is something that we should have for the lost. And if you're not sure, go and, re go and read Luke 15. It really sets this context, there's this pattern that Jesus is sitting with, um, he's spending time with sinners and tax collectors. In the, where he's preaching, they're following him, they're gathering. And the Pharisees say, look at this man, he welcomes the sinners and the tax collectors in. And he sits with him. And then Jesus' response to that was, because Jesus came to tear down walls of separation. And the Pharisees kept up the walls. Their thing was, let's build a wall so high that nobody unclean can come in. But what we are called to Jesus said, I came to tear down the walls. I came to, be, I came to reconcile. And we need to be those that want to reconcile they don't want to have walls up, but want to tear down every wall, even in us, that prevents us from reaching out. And the context of those scriptures 
when Jesus shared three parables to answer the Pharisees, he shares about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost brother, otherwise known as, more famously known as, the prodigal son. The lost son. And the structure of those three parables is pretty much this. Someone or something is lost. Somewhere in the story, there's a tipping point where there's someone or something is found. And then there is a great rejoicing for coming home, for coming back, for being found. And I'm not going to go through those, uh, like everyone here, if you've been saved for more than six months, you probably heard these stories, these parables. But they all share the heart of God in some way. The lost sheep, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. Like we can never be, oh, there's 99 of us here, we're looking quite full and become comfortable. Because God's heart is always, there's one more. He is never, ah, if one is missing, who cares? Who's going to notice 99 is good enough? He's like, I care about the one. And in our hearts, we need to have the heart of, Lord, I care about the one. We can never be a group of people sitting here, comfortable, that there is 99 here. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm feeling holy. I'm feeling like I'm doing what God wants. Because if you lost the heart for the one, You've lost the heart of the Father. And that is what he's called us to. And it says at the end there that there is more rejoicing in heaven for the one that is unrighteous and has repented than for the 99 that are righteous. Now, people say, who are the 99? For me, the 99 is the people in the church. Because we can only be called righteous if we are in Christ. Because everyone, all other righteousness, all our own righteousness, our own good works, is filthy rags. And I think for us, to have the heart of the Father is to never become comfortable in those. But there's space for one more. And then, then there's the story of the lost coin. And the lost coin is, it speaks about this woman. She has 10 silver coins, and she loses one. And the silver coins has quite a lot of value. So what does she do? She turns on the lamp. She sweeps out the house. And she searches careful, carefully and diligently until she finds that coin. And then it says she went to the neighbors and the neighbor's house and the next neighbor to rejoice. And that's the heart for the father is there's a... There isn't a thing of oh, people get saved, they get saved in the Father. In the Father, there's a seeking, there's a searching, there's a, there's a careful looking. Like, do we hold this thing carefully? Or is it like, oh, Lord, if the Lord so wills that people will get saved? Or do we say, Lord, I want to be part of what you want to do? Is it, do we hold this thing tenderly in our hearts? Opportunities, it's like, thank you, Lord, this is precious. And it actually says there that she had to sweep out the house. And I think sometimes in us, there might be one of the reasons we might not want to share is because there might be sin in us, repetitive sin in us. And I can tell now if there's, if we feeling like, you know, there's sin in us, if we feeling like hypocrites, it's very hard 
to call others in. And sometimes there's a cleaning out in us first. And it's not that it became right, but it must be a coming before God again and repenting. And saying, Lord, come again. And it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it does mean like, Lord, work in me. And then the last one, which is the biggest one, the lost son, the prodigal son. We all know the story. And I'm not going to go into it. I might at the end go through it. But really that heart of the father there is, he gave the son what he wanted. Son completely messed up. Completely messed up. But he came to himself. And when he came back, the father didn't say, look what you have done. It says he saw his son from a far way off. And his heart was full with compassion. And he ran to him. And he did a few things. He gave him a ring. The family ring. That says you're not a servant. You're not coming back into the house as a servant. You're coming back as a son. When we come, when we get saved, and we come into the house of God, we are children of God. We are sons of God. And then he said, get a robe. Get the best robe and cover him. You know, he was poor. He was in a pigsty. He probably walked back home. I don't know how he got back home. But when he came there, he was filthy. He was covered in filthy rags. And every single one of us, no matter how good you thought you were when you got saved, we came with filthy rags. And the word says that our righteousness, our good works, however, whatever we thought we did before Christ, it was like filthy rags. And the son came with filthy rags and the, and the father said, cover him with our best robe. And what we are covered with is the righteousness of Christ. And he covers us with this. We do not make, we do not save ourselves. We do not clean ourselves. It is Jesus that covers us. And he comes and then there's a celebration. Because there's always a celebration. And you know the way the son came back? He didn't come back like, yo, I'm back. The son is back. No. Return of the Mac, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. He said, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. You know when you get saved and you see the Lord and you see who Jesus is and you're like, yo, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'll be a servant in the house. I just want to be in the house. And he says, I've sinned before God and you, Father. Now, we know, we recognize that we are sinners and we need the God, and we need God and we need to return to the house. And this was his posture. And I want us to remember that this should always be our posture. Now, sometimes guys leave the church or disappear for a while and they come back and people say, the prodigals are back. <laughs> but then you go and speak to the guys and it's like, the attitude is, I'm back. But sometimes I speak to guys and their attitude is, yo, I'm not worthy, I messed up. I need to be back in the house. I need Jesus. And there's a repent of heart because the word says there's a celebration for every sinner that has repented. Not that I'm sorry, not that I'll, I'll try, but there's a deep heart conviction. 
And this is ultimately what we are called to. We are called to draw these people in, because this is the heart of the Father. Because when he came back, he was redeemed, he was restored. He was a son. And sometimes it's hard for us. Because sometimes we can be the older brother. Because when the older brother came and he checked, what's the, what's the celebration happening? And the servant says, no, we killed the fattened calf. We're having a big party. And the older brother was, uh, was he didn't even want to come in. And he didn't even say, my brother. When he spoke to the father, he said, your son. That messed up. He was a prostitute. You, you wasted your money and you throw a party for him. And the father said this to him. The father said, you are with me. And this is for us here. You are in the house. You are with me. Everything I have is yours. But one has come and your brother has come back. And he says, he was dead, but he's alive. He was lost, but he is found. And sometimes for us, let us never lose the wonder of someone getting saved. Sometimes we look at the outer. You check someone gets saved or someone you know maybe. Maybe someone in your family, some friend, some co-worker, or someone that you, a friend that you know well. And they get saved and it's like, ooh, I don't know. I don't. Let us check for a month first. Let's give it six months. Because that one's a bit flaky. You're not sure. But every single one of us in ourselves, I'm not sure. We're not, we're not going to make it. It's in Christ. And there needs to be a sense of wonder and a, and a celebration that someone that was dead is now alive. Someone that was lost is now found. And this is the context of what we are called to the Great Commission. Go out into all the world. You've been given power and authority. Go out into all the world and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is what we are called to. You know, as believers, there's a few things we should have in our hearts. We should have faith in God. A love for God and people, and hope in heaven, hope for eternity, hope for the kingdom. And in, um, so now I'm just switching, this is the stuff I got for myself, but for 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, you don't have to put it upside, just fine. It says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, these are the things that we hold to as believers. Now, if you've got those things in your heart, if you've got those things, I'd say you're a believer. If you've got intimacy with God, because then it comes where Jesus speaks about the vine and the branches. Remain in me, because those that remain in me will bear fruit. He goes, and goes on and says, obey me, remain in my love, and obey me. And it goes on to say that if you do these things, if you remain in me, and you bear much fruit, and you obey me, if you stay close to me, there's a joy that's going to come that you're going to receive. He said, the joy I have, I will give to you. Your joy will be made complete, it will be made full, and to overflow. 
You see, like sometimes it's like we got this thing, I first want to be joyful and then I'll do what you say, Lord. I first want to be joyful and then I'm going to step out, Lord. But what that word says, if you just remain in me, I'm going to give you a joy. If you remain in me, fruit is going to come. If you remain in me and obey me, the joy is going to come. Because if you're sitting around waiting, Lord, first fill me with joy, just so much, I think you're going to be sitting for a while. We are, we are an apostolic, sent out people. The call has always been go out. Not go leave the church. Go out. Wherever we are found, out of the house. Where we are working, where we are, uh, whatever, wherever we find ourselves, be those that carry the gospel. You know, the, the gospel is carried by simple people. Simple believers. If you think about how you got saved, think about your journey. Someone spoke to you somewhere. There was angels that spoke to Tembi. Someone invited you, maybe more than once. Someone started sharing something of the word. Someone invited you to church. But it was saints that did it. Generally. And we are ambassadors of Christ. The language of the gospel, the language of the word, of who we are is that we are ambassadors of Christ. That we represent him, that we are ministers of reconciliation. That he came to reconcile. But we that are his are called to be ministers of reconciliation. That we reconcile others. We reconcile the lost because we are his hands and his feet. You know, the word speaks about, in that scriptures, it speaks about um, that God uses us to plead for him. To plead to the lost. And I read the other day, I was like, yo, it was not the NIV, it was one of the other versions. And I was like, yo, God uses us to plead. You know, sometimes we go the attitude, no, you come or you don't come, you better decide if you want to be saved, if you want Jesus. That can sometimes be our attitude. You, you give it to them straight. Take it or leave it. But that is not the heart of God. The language in the Bible is like, He uses us to plead. To plead. The compassion of God. You know, there's, uh, in Acts somewhere, um, not in Acts, in, uh, in the gospel somewhere, Jesus is uh, going from city to village to place, and He's sharing the gospel, and He's preaching the kingdom of heaven, and it says that uh, that he saw these crowds and he saw that they were all lost sheep without the shepherd. And he said his heart was filled with compassion because they needed a shepherd. You know, a sheep without a shepherd is in a very dangerous place. You're actually walking in death. And I want us to catch the heart of God, the heart of the Father, the heart of the Son this morning. Because we need to catch that. A compassionate, sent out people. Amen. I don't know where I am now. I have to scribble some notes. Let me see. Um, let me share this story. I remember when we got saved, uh, when I say we, 
myself, Tanya, and a lot of our family after that. Um, it was Tanya's cousin that actually uh, came to knock on our door. We were in a far-off country, as they speak about the son, the prodigal son. It doesn't say he went, he took the money, and it says as soon as he got the money, he went to a far-off country. He didn't go next to the next village or the next place because I, some people will still know you there maybe. Now he went to a far-off country where he could, no boundaries, no chores, no restrictions, no rules. I can do whatever I want to do. And myself and Tanya were in a far-off country. Let me say we weren't seeking, we weren't, like I was going to church once every two months uh, to the Catholic church out of, sure, I need to get washed a bit. But that was pretty much it, once every two months or three months. And Tanya's cousin knocked on our door, and Tanya's cousin, as I knew him, he was a very good sinner. Very, very good. And when he came to start sharing about God and salvation, his face is shining, I'm like, guy, it's a bit early, were you drinking? <laughs> and he was, no, there's this thing I must tell you, but it was excitement and overflow in him that could not be contained. And then he came the next day, and I thought, ah, so this brother's going to calm down, but he didn't calm down. So eventually we went to church, and that was the seeds of us getting saved. And when we got saved, I remember, yeah, I must speak to everybody. I spoke to family, I spoke to work colleagues, friends, and funnily enough, a lot of the people I spoke to were like, no, but I'm saved. No, I know, I know what it is. I am born again. And I'm like, but yo, you did, I've known you for 10 years. You've never, five years, two years, you've never shared the gospel with me. Why didn't anyone tell me this? So in my mind, nobody ever told me about the gospel, about being born again. And then the Lord reminded me, no, I've reached out to you many times. I've invited you many times. I remember growing up, I remember being in university, being invited. I remember moving to Cape Town. There was some, I thought, strange man that knocked on our door. And he, and, he, like, and he sit and share the gospel. And I humored him once. And after that, I was like, brah, you need to. And he came a few times. But he was sharing the gospel, I realize now. And I remember this one friend of mine, uh, we were both sinners, so he one day came to me, his neighbor invited him to a cell group. So he's, oh, he went and he enjoyed it. And he came to me and he said, Luke, can you come with me? Are you okay with maybe? But he was very gentle because I was a very opinionated person. And I said, uh, no, but I'm Catholic. He said, are you Catholic? I said, I'm 100% going once every three months Catholic. And that was the end of that. He never brought it up again, and we carried on partying for a year or two. So the Lord started saying, don't come now. How come no one told you I've invited you many times? And if you're honest with ourselves, anyone that is saved here today, you didn't get saved the first time you've ever heard someone. You never responded the first time ever. Through your life, there was invitations. There was patience. There was a diligent searching and seeking and I'll go again, and I'll go again. Yet when we get saved, I don't know how our grace, how full our grace is. I've asked the brother twice, enough's enough. But examine ourselves, we've been invited more than that. Can we have more grace than we've received? It's so easy for us to be 
Lord, for, Lord, I need your grace, Lord. But it's so hard for it to flow to others. Um, so why wouldn't we share the good news? Like, why wouldn't we share this? The power of God unto salvation. That God so loved the world. He sent His only Son to save, not to condemn. That we might have eternal life and not perish. Why would you not share that news? Now, I'm talking to myself also. Because I was convicted on this. Many times in my walk, I've been convicted on this. And there must be a reason why we lose this flow. And for me, it's like I can fill this thing up logically. I can fill my mind and say, no, but I'm doing a lot of stuff. Lord, I got a full-time job. I'm doing church stuff. I'm doing ministry stuff. I'm, I, I phone people. I connect people into church. Church will send me names. So these things I'm doing, but there's out of an overflow, not much. So Lord, restore that to me, Lord. So everything I'm sharing today is not only for you, it's for all of us, it's for me. So I'm like, Lord, but why wouldn't you share? And I was thinking, like, what are some of the things that we would say? So busyness, thank God you're busy, it means you're seeing people, you're probably talking to people, connecting with people. Maybe you lost the joy of your salvation. Maybe you're sitting and like, yo, I, yo, I can't give something I don't have. And like I said earlier, then you have to be connected to him again. Intimate with him again. In worship, in the word. In, if you're disconnected from him, there will be no fruit and there will be no flow of this joy in you. Because if you are connected, there's a joy that comes that fills. And you need to answer yourself, all these things, is any of this you? And then it's not like, I messed up, it is. Come again before me and say, Lord, I come again because I want to be a minister of reconciliation. What about, maybe you're struggling right now. Maybe going through tough times. The world is struggling, there's a recession. It's like, yo, Lord, I'm caring so much. I'm so under pressure. I am um, anxious. You know, in the church in Acts, when persecution came, it says they were persecuted, they were scattered through Samaria and beyond. So they were scattered all over the place, but yet the church grew. Because they had the Holy Spirit and there was an overflow of joy in them, outside of the situation. Maybe you're shy. Or maybe you're like an introvert and not a lot of people like labels. But you, you know what I mean? You're not a people's person. You, get, you can't, you struggle to communicate. Socially awkward. Is that going to be a reason? Our Lord, give that to the extroverts. Well, Jesus said, if you confess me before man, I'll confess... I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father. I don't see any clause there of if you are people's person. Paul said, um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation. 
And you know, I've seen, I've gone out many times, street ministry and all these different things. And you know, people that come with, I can't do this. I'm an introvert, I'm not a people's person. I get excited about them because I know when you come empty, when you come weak, there's this thing of His grace is sufficient. That His power is made perfect in your weakness. And I've seen guys share that is not people, they don't, they're not, I'm not a person that speaks to people, and I've seen them shared with the grace, the tenderness, the compassion of God, because they're not coming strong. They're coming, I just got this thing to share, this good news. So don't, oh, I'm not a preacher. Every single one of us should come with a, a softness, a tenderness, and a, it's not me, but it's Jesus. Actually, I've seen the strong cause more harm. Don't come with a boot. Do you know Jesus? You need to come right, eh? It's about time. I don't, doesn't. And then they come back. I've spoke to five people. Like, what happened? I know no one, no one, they left. They didn't want to speak. Because we need to represent who he is. And the word actually says that um, when we, we must always be prepared. I think in Peter, it says, we must always be prepared to share to give, to give an account, to give a reason for the hope that we carry if someone asks us. Always. But you must always remember to share it with compassion and gentleness and respect. Let that be our posture. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel. And sometimes it is. Sometimes the brutal truth is we are ashamed of the gospel because people are going to think we're weird. People are going to think I'm strange. What will people say? People are going to think I'm in a cult. There's all these thoughts that go through it, and it boils down to we're ashamed. Because everything we hide that we don't want people to see, we are ashamed of. And it's not your, it's come again before the Lord, filled with your compassion, that your compassion for the lost will overwhelm anything in me Anything in me that is saving myself, how people see me. Glad are the reason we skip there. Um, if you are sitting here this morning and you're like, sure, I don't know if I am reaching out, I'm not witnessing. Let me encourage you in saying that it's always been like that. What did Jesus say? The harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. And I say it's always been like that. And you're like, but what do you mean the harvest is ripe? The people, it seems like there's hard ground out there. Now, the truth of the, wor- of the word is that the harvest is ripe. There is a dying world out there that we need to come before God, let Him fill us to draw others in. We're not going to say, but God will. And before we pray for the harvest, before we pray for workers, we better make sure that we are one of those workers. Don't go and pray, Lord, send the workers, but I'm not going. 
because if you're struggling to go, then your first prayer is, Lord, work in me. Change me. Start, show, give me a revelation of what you're trying to do. And there's a lot of stories. There's, um, yeah, I know Martin um, that was in this, elder in this congregation. He used to share about, and I think on Facebook now, they share the story about when he used to go to Salt River, he used to drive his bike from here to there, and he was witnessing to people. And more and more people came, and then it became this huge amount of people with testimonies. Because the harvest is ripe. Don't ever come to the place of, I can't share because this people is a stubborn, stiff-necked people that's around me. Because the word says that the harvest is ripe. Um, I'm going to land soon. Um, so Paul, when he... Um, but I don't talk about the harvest being ripe. So Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13, I think, they praying or they um, went to visit the synagogue. And back in the day, if you go and visit a synagogue and you weren't a regular there, they would say, brother, do you have anything to share? Anything to say? Maybe five minutes. You know, like Lucas, if a visitor comes and come to the front, you got two minutes, five minutes to share, and like, got anything to say? And then Paul said, yes, I do. And he shared the gospel. He hoid all preach. And one of the key things, verses in there is um, Acts 13, 38 to 39. He says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from sin. A justification you are not able to obtain until the law of Moses. And he shares the gospel. And you know what happens? They say, please come the next Sabbath, come again. The next day, the next Sunday, come again. And when he comes again the next Sabbath, it says the whole city was there to hear the gospel. To get an idea that the harvest is ripe. It's the workers that are few. To take this world, to advance the kingdom, it's not going to take the people changing the attitude. It's going to take the church changing the attitude. And having a heart for what we call to. Let's give them. So, so where do we find people? So you're sitting here right now, and I'm landing now. Where do you? Where do we find people? Any ideas, Nick? The workplace. The workplace. School or like where you. Not all the youngsters, they got school. <laughs> JP. At the beach. So we're all going to have different answers because the Lord uses all of us where we are. So it's going to be at a five-a-side soccer. Right, Gav? Gavin is breaking himself to go to play five-a-side soccer. Every game is getting his limping more. But he's saying, for the kingdom, Lord. Last week, there was a few guys from Fiverside here, got saved. They were at my house on Tuesday. Jordan brought them, my son. And he was like, bro, why are you taking him to 830? I mean, this is our people. The gym, the workplace. What does the Bible say? So Jesus speaks about, um, he shares the parable of the banquet. 
And in the parable of a banquet, he pretty much goes and he says, um, he tells a servant, invite everybody that is on the list. So they invite the people, and when it's close to the time of the banquet, the people start dropping out. Now I can't make it. Uh, I, I'm busy. I can't make it. I've uh, got stuff to do. And this is the response in the story, Luke 14, 21 to 24. The servant came back and reported this to the master, that he don't want to come. The, 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 in, the invitees are dropping out. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So in the town, go everywhere and invite everyone. Then it said, sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but still there is room. I love this. Let me say that in the house, there will always be room. In your communities, there should always be room. If we ever put up the, the we are full sign, we've lost something of the heart of what's called to. And then he says, Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the countries and the lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Tell you, not one of those who, in, who were invited will get a taste of the banquet. So they invited, they went everywhere and invited everyone. And then they said, but there's still space. There's still room in the house. And they said, then you go to the by highways, the byways, the, you go beyond. And invite. And here's the beauty of that story is we are the people that invite. How they respond is up to them. But are we inviting? And I'm not saying only invite the church, I'm saying inviting them into the kingdom. And I think we need to grapple with this as a, as a people. We cannot be comfortable with that is not for me. If you got that is not for me in your heart, then I would challenge you to take scriptures into account, what Jesus said, if you don't confess me. But more than that, I'd say, those things that Jesus is saying is not a condemnation, it's a warning to you. Let's check yourself. If you're in a place where I don't think the lost is for me, reaching out, sharing the gospel is for me, then you need to come before the Lord and you need to come and say, Lord, change me. Because now you get a chance to change it. Everyone stand up and pray for us. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you saved us, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we are the 99, Lord, that we are in your house, Lord, that you are, we are close to you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have justified us, Lord, that you have forgiven us, Lord, that you have wiped our slate clean, Lord, that you have washed us, Lord, that we are white as snow, Lord. 
that we are in you, Lord. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that we will be, have a heart for those that are not, Lord. Lord, I pray we will have a heart for those that are not, Lord, that are not part of your house, Lord, for those that are lost, Lord, that they will be found, for those that are dead, that they will be made alive, Lord. Lord, I pray that there's a stirring up in us, Lord, you come by your spirit, Lord, because salvation is yours, Lord. That, Lord, that this is a supernatural thing, Lord, that the gospel is the power, is your power unto salvation, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will walk, will want to be part of this, Lord. That we will put up our hand and say, I want to be a worker in the field that is ripe. And, Lord, I pray that you come by your spirit, Lord, and you open hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray for areas that is hard, that is saying, I will not go, Lord. That you come and bring a deep revelation of who you are, of your love for the lost, Lord. That a deep conviction will come, Lord. Lord, I pray that this will not be a to-do list. The elders said, the people said, I'm supposed to do this. Because anything we do in our own strength will have no fruit, Lord. Lord, I pray each and every one of us will come before you and say, Lord, fill me again, Lord with the joy of your salvation. Fill me again with, your, with the compassion and a heart and a, your, and a hunger and a thirst to see the lost come in, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we have testimonies like the and Adriana, Lord. Where, oh, I, I think I saw an angel. Oh, I saw the way the people worshipped. Lord, that there will be testimonies of freedom, of deliverance, of restoration in your house, Lord. Lord, I pray each and every one of us will be carriers of the gospel to where we find ourselves, Lord. Lord, I pray we will be ministers of reconciliation and we'll walk in what you called us to, Lord, that we will be, we will be an apostolic, sent-out people to a dying world out there, Lord. Lord, I pray that this in the house will never be completely it. That the hearts will be, there's room in the house. <laughs> Let's fill the house. Amen? Amen. Amen.